Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Wilshire tonight. Excuse me, Reg. There we go. Uh, I'm glad you're here, and I hope by the end of the evening you are glad you're here, too. Last Sunday, Jim started our series on the church and what the church means to us, how the church is supposed to be a part of our formation in Jesus Christ. And on our second Sunday of the month, we like to kind of step back and uh, maybe interview people or have a panel of people or just find a different way to come at the same topic. And as Jim and I were talking about this months ago and planning our Sunday nights, uh, one person I said I would love to let them tell their story was Reggie. Um, there are several things about that that uh, I, I wanted Reggie to do that. One of which, though, if you talk to Reggie... Um, and listen to the way he speaks about Wilshire and the role that this congregation has had in his life, it is extremely humbling to me. And I, so I wanted to give Reggie the opportunity to do that. Most of you see Reggie on Wednesday night, walking around here, helping out. Reggie always says, uh, I'm the brains, he's the looks in our operation. Whenever we go somewhere, work on something. That tells you how much trouble we are on both accounts. Uh, so Reggie, thank you for agreeing to do this. Um, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. So uh, I, I, <laughs> I gave Reggie 10 questions, and uh, just a moment ago, he proceeded to make fun of me for about two of them. So we're going to see how this turns out, Reg. Uh, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> Where were you on the night up? No, I'm kidding. Um, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, Reg, um, I know you well. Some of the congregation knows you well, but how long have you been with Wilshire? And um, how'd you first come here? First of all, I want to say thanks to the church and Jeremy for giving me the opportunity to do this. Uh, like Jeremy said, a lot of y'all only know me from Wednesday nights, seeing me on Sundays. But I have a story that y'all probably wouldn't believe or begin mm -hmm. to understand. Uh, I've been at Wilshire 13 years. Uh, when I first got here, uh, I had just got out of prison. I did five years in prison for a crack pipe. You know, I was on drugs bad, uh, so it led me to prison. Uh, it humbled myself, so when I got out, uh, I was lost. I was just lost in the sauce. I didn't know which way to go. I didn't know which way to turn. And uh, after doing 10 months, on parole at my sister's house and she had five girls. So you could imagine me in the house with five girls. <laughs> and I mean, they fought over everything. I mean, from potato chips to rubber bands to erasers, <laughs> anything you name, cups, they would argue and fight over. So I couldn't wait to get out of there, but I loved <laughs> her for what she done for me. So I ended up moving across the street over here in apartments. And when I moved over there, I didn't have nothing but a, I had a microwave that didn't even rotate. Uh, I had a two-seater couch. I didn't have a bed. And I had a TV that didn't get all the channels. So I didn't know which way to turn. So somebody told me to call 211. So it's something like a helpline. And so they contact this church. Uh, so the lady called me back and said, uh, you're not in our area code. I mean, in our uh, zip code church close to you so about 10 15 minutes later I get a phone call from Jeremy 
So he said he wanted to come and visit me. So five minutes later, he knocked at my door over here in apartments. And here this guy is standing at my door, and he introduced himself. And I'm just puzzled, you know. And he asked me what were some of the things that I needed. And I could have just told him, man, I, I can use everything. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to try to make this quick. Uh, he went and bought me some underwears and socks and boxers and T-shirts, you know, some pants and shirts. He bought me groceries. And that right there, now this man never laid eyes on me once before, and he did that for me. So when it was over with, he asked me about, hey, do you want to come to church with me Sunday? And I knew, I knew that question was coming, but <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say no so bad because, now I'm going to be honest, now some of my questions, now some of my answers might offend somebody, but I'm, I'm up here to tell the truth. So to be honest, I did not want to go to church with a white man. I'm just, I'm just going to keep, I grew up in the church of the living God. If any of y'all remember, Jeremy did a series about five or six years ago about drug the church. As a kid, I was drugged to church. I didn't want to go to church, but I had to get up. I don't care what time I went to bed Saturday night. I had to get up. I was made. We was forced to go. I didn't know nothing about God. I didn't know nothing about Christ. I just knew that I had to get up on Sundays and go to church. So after Jeremy asked me that, I paused for about 30 seconds, and then I said, well, one Sunday won't hurt. How can I turn him down after what he just done for me? He bought me groceries and, you know, socks and T-shirts. So I said, okay. I'll go with you. He said, well, I'll be by Sunday. I think we had a different time that our church didn't start at 930. I think it started at 1030 or something like that. I can't remember, but uh, he said, I'll be by to pick you up. So when I got here, the two people that stood out to me most was Brother Dilworth and Curlin Schultz. Uh, our fellowship hall was under construction. So we used to eat. We used to have our life group meetings right here in the little foyer right here just across from the office and stuff. So Brother Dilworth talked to me for a long time. He put a lot in my ear, and I love you for that, man. That sticks with me every day. That's part of my life now. And uh, so what happened was uh, Curlin Schultz, after, after life group was over with, she piled all this food up. You know, I was sick. I was on drugs at the time. At the time, I was on, uh, I was on kidney dialysis. Uh, I know I looked at a mess, and... Uh, People here at Wilshire welcomed me with open arms, and it touched my heart. So when Jeremy took me home that evening, I asked him, hey, man, you going to come back and get me next Sunday? <laughs> and he said, sure. So that's how I started coming to Wilshire, and I've been here 13 years, and I am so blessed to be a part of the best congregation in Oklahoma. <laughs> Now, Reggie, when you kind of skipped over, they never do that for me. <laughs> they kind of, you kind of skipped over a pretty important part of your story. While you were What's in that? prison, you came down with kidney disease. Yeah, I did. And, and so part of what you struggled with for some time was you had to go to dialysis. Yeah, I started, I started dialysis while I was in prison. You know, I don't wish that on nobody, uh, but it was, I paid for my mistake, but I went to, I didn't hurt nobody but myself. Like I said, I went to prison for a crack pipe. I did five years, you know, because I wanted to use drugs. 
You know, we grew up in an abusive home. Uh, my mother was abused, me and my brothers and my sisters was abused. And we all did drugs. I guess that was our way of escaping the pain. You know, and just, I got caught. So I did my time to society. Uh, I finished my parole. I had over $5,000 in court costs. I paid every penny of it. You know, and, you know, life is pretty good now. Well, you've, so the first time you come to Wilshire, and, and I come by and pick you up, your impression of church, just in general, was shaped by your early experience. But what did you expect to find when you walked in the door here? Well, I don't know what I expected, but what I didn't expect is to see black people in the church. That's what I didn't expect. And when I seen that, that really touched me because we had a men's meeting about a, a few months ago, and, and a lot of the guys that from other congregations of the Church of Christ, they were so humble about how we have a biracial church and we get along and we love each other. And that right there touched me the most because I'm like, okay, it's just not white people here too. It's some blacks, so I can fit in. But little did I know that regardless of black or white, everybody showed me love in the congregation and that meant so much to me. They didn't know me from Adam, from Eve. They didn't know if I was a killer or a rapist and you know, they let me around their kids. I'm fresh out of prison. And it just, it touched me, you know. So I knew this is the place I needed to be. And it was one of the best choices I ever made in my life when I told Jeremy that I'd go to church with him on Sunday. <laughs> it, it was a few years we'd studied. Reggie was baptized into Christ. And Reggie and I went making another round doing something. And uh, Reggie said, Jeremy, did you know it's been, at that time, I don't remember, eight years, something like that. And I asked him, I, I tell this story often when I go preach somewhere because it cracks me up. I said, Reggie, you ever wondered what your life would be like if, you, if we never met, you never came to Wilshire? And he said, you know, when you opened the door and you invited me to church, I thought there ain't no way I'm going to church with that little white boy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... That's how Reggie's all. I wasn't going to mention that, but. Well, <laughs> I was, because you called me little. That made me. <laughs> um, so, you, so you come to church, and I love that it's, it's kind of across the board. And you could name other people, I'm sure. There's Gary, there's Carolyn. There's a lot of other people in this church that have yes. walked with you. A lot. And a helped lot. you in a lot of ways. Tony who passed away tragically several years ago. You and Tony had a good friendship and worked yeah. together. And uh, Tony knew a lot of my deep secrets before he passed away. It was something about him, not just because he can cook. It was, it was just something about him that I trusted him with my life. And we probably worked together maybe, I'm going to say anywhere from a year to two years, before he started working at OU Medical and before he passed away. Uh, he was easy to talk to. Like when Juanita asked me to speak at his funeral, I didn't want to do it because I didn't think I could. But if Tony would have been here, all I could hear in my ear was, Reggie, man, you got this, man. You can do this. 
that's the type of energy that he gave me. You know, we became so close from shopping together to cooking to him coming to pick me up. And uh, he was a big inspiration in my life before he left, and I miss him. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when the people, when people who knew the old Reggie find out that Reggie comes to church now, that on any given Sunday you're sitting back there where Faye Brown's at right now, or on any Wednesday night they'll find you in the kitchen, what do they say? Well, this is, it's not a tough question, but it's like pros and cons. You know, we grew up, me and Robert and my other brothers and sisters, we grew up in Compton, California, and Los Angeles. You know, that's the gang capital. So that's all we knew. You know, my mother had seven boys and two girls. Six of her boys been to prison. I'm the baby boy out of seven. So when people see my post on Facebook, everybody know on Wednesdays and Sundays, don't bother me. Don't call me because they know I'm going to be at it. It's a part of my life. I dedicated my life to Wilshire. And I get some negative, I get some negative feedback from my own family. And when I say my own family, I'm talking about my mother's kids because I go to church. You know, what worked for me not, might not work for, you know what I'm saying? So this is working for me. So I'm going to continue. I don't care what you say. Even though you my sister, I love you. Your kids talk about me because I go to church. And I know y'all have things to say, but oh well. You know, but I get more positive feedback than I get negative. You know, a lot of people inbox me and say, hey, man, I'm glad what you're doing. And you know what? Everybody know that I videotape my Wednesday night meals. <laughs> and people think it's a soup kitchen. And they say, you know, I love what you do for the, no, I don't do it for the community. I do invite people. You know, if you want to come, you can come fellowship and eat with us or whatever. But I do this for my church family. You know, so I get a lot of positive feedback on that. You know, but I also get a lot of negative feedback because everybody don't believe in Jesus. But I know I do, and my family do, so that's what's most important to me. So I had to learn how to balance the negative from the positive because the negative is coming in this area, the positive is coming in this area, so it's, they kind of battling each other, but the positive always win. Yeah. So that's how I deal with that. Reggie does, um, okay, that... This is one of the questions he laughed at. I thought it was pretty good, Reggie. This is the way I worded it. You were part of our Wednesday night meal ministry. You were also around. <laughs> you're around during school supply giveaway. And you're helpful several ways. He says, what do you mean I'm around? Okay, he helps some too. He's not just standing around. Um, but Reggie, he helps with Wednesday night meals, and we see that. I'm going to tell you a story. I don't know if I've told you this before. Um, you hadn't been coming here long, and several people would help. Uh, Reggie and I go grocery shopping together. That's, that's, it's always fun. I used to go home and tell Delina what you would buy. I said, look, this is what my life would look like if Delina weren't in it. This is what a single man buys. We bought more meat. I don't ever once remember walking through a vegetable aisle with you. Chunking meat, and then we drove all across Oklahoma City because they had special meat sales. You remember that place over by the fairgrounds? Whitakers. That's the place. 
nothing but meat in the presence. But I'll, I'll never forget, you'd been coming here five years. I don't know if you had been baptized into Christ or not at this point. But we'd, we'd put in the bulletin uh, about Hope Harbor Children's Home. And Reggie was struggling financially. People were helping him. And one Sunday morning, I picked Reggie up, and he's got this sack of canned food. I said, what's that for, Reggie? He said, it's for the orphan. He was struggling on his own. And I, that's simple, but I can't tell you what an impact that made. That was, it was so insightful to who you were as a person. As you struggled, you, you still thought about those kids. I'm going to respond to that. Uh, when I first came here, like I said, I was at the bottom of the borough. I didn't know if I was coming or going. I didn't know which way was left or right. And uh, I can name so many people in the congregation that rushed out to me. I remember the first day I came, Jerry gave me, Jerry Novlin gave me his phone number. <laughs> and he asked me, he said, uh, hey, if you need anything, you call me. Now, here this guy, he don't know me. I mean, so what he giving me his number? You know what I'm saying? So this is my this is my sick way of thinking. You know, and then uh, Richard Morphew. I mean, the list can go on and on. People start giving me their phone number. Uh, I didn't know nobody. Didn't nobody know me, and, and it just, it just touched me. I mean, I had so the church has done so much for me. So I made a promise to myself and to God: if I'm ever in a position to help anybody, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna give back. Because so much has been given to me. Now, I'm in a position to where I can give back. So that's why I try to help people when I can. You know, some people get mad if I can't help them. I mean, oh, well, I mean, you know, I can't, if I can't do it. And Tammy, I never promise nobody nothing. <laughs> I never do that. I never promise nobody nothing. And Andrew, I never promise nobody nothing when it comes to the benevolence. I say if my churches, if I can't do it, I asked my church if they can't do it, and then we had to take a third step. But I never promised nobody nothing, but I help a lot of people, and it's because I was in a position where I needed. So, And the church helped me, so now I'm in a position to where I can help others, and I love it. I, rather, I wouldn't rather have it no other way. That's great. Uh, you mentioned a minute ago, a lot of times on a Wednesday night, you guys may see people that, we don't know, and a lot of them are here because they're friends of Reggie, uh, some of his relatives from time to time. Um, one time there was a girl that Reggie convinced me to deliver flowers to. <laughs> this was a weird deal. He called me. He said, Jeremy, I, I just need you to drive. I need you to walk in this office, deliver the flowers, and just turn around and walk out. I said, who is she and what is this? I just need you to drop off the flowers. <laughs> and I did, and a month, two months later, this girl's standing in the fellowship hall, and I thought, she looks familiar. It's the girl I took the flowers to. I don't know what you had me in on, Reg, but I just, these are the things Reggie gets me in the middle of that I'm not. I just, I just had a crush at the time. That's all, That's all it was. <laughs> and you had to put me in the middle of that, too. Yeah, well, I figured it would look better if Jeremy delivered flowers. You know, a little short, white, kid, little white guy. You know, he looked more professional. So, you know, he looked like he worked for a florist shop. So it, it worked <laughs> out, you know. <laughs> I thought it was nice. So, you know, we had fun that day. <laughs> I did look nice. 
I did look nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there's something else that um, I don't know if you want to talk about this, and I don't want you to have to if you're not comfortable. Reggie has also taught me something that um, I'm a white kid, grew up middle class America. And several of you guys have helped Reggie go through some of the struggles he's had, court, all that stuff. And I have watched, uh, I really have gotten a deeper admiration of Reggie watching him go through that. Um, Because I've learned something of the system that, this is going to be political, I realize, the system traps people. And people who really honestly want to turn their life around can hardly do it. And, and I've, been, I've been with Reggie just as his driver uh, and sat uh, down at the courthouse with him. As I watched Reggie struggle to actually turn his life around, and I've seen how hard it is for someone to do that because they've got to pay a fine and they've got to pay another fine and if you've got a certain record, you can't get a job. And if you've got something on your record, you can't live in certain places. And if you don't have a job and you can't live anywhere, you've still got to pay your fine. And if you don't pay your fine, you get put back in the system, and it just grinds you and it eats you. And, and I'm not going to pretend to know the answer, but what I do know is a little more of the struggle that Reggie had to go through. And seeing where Reggie is at today... In spite of that, Reggie, that's impressive to me. Yeah, it was a, it was a long, bumpy road. Uh, like I said, I don't wish this on nobody. But I think I'd be out of line if I didn't get this lady back here much props, Miss Faye Brown. She took <laughs> over my finances. She is my personal uh, financial advisor. She does a wonderful job. I love you for that, Miss Faye. She paid over, it was my money. Don't get me wrong now. She didn't pay it out of her pocket. She didn't pay it out of her pocket, but I just want to clear it up. I had over $5,000 worth of fines, tickets, court costs, everything. And Miss Faye paid every single payment and made sure every month my payment was made for me. Uh, here I am from Compton. I gangbang. I've been shot twice in the back. A lot of y'all think I walk. I walk kind of messed up a little bit. I have, I have very bad nerve damage in my legs and in my feet for getting shot. I got shot point-blank range for me to Jeremy twice in the back. And the doctor told me, for me, that I was a lucky young man because I was overweight. The average 160-pound man wouldn't have lived through what I just went through. So after all of that, uh, when I started making these payments, I stopped. Because I think I wanted to use drugs. But Miss Faye came along, and this right here is stick with me today, Miss Faye. She said, Reggie, if you let me do it my way, I promise you, you will always have something, and I'll take care of, I'll take care of it. She did an outstanding job. Today, I'm debt-free. Uh, I have a credit score of 751. <laughs> Eight years ago, I didn't, I, don't know, I didn't know what a credit score was. <laughs> I have a major credit card. Uh, thanks to Hoppy and Mrs. Hoppy, 
I drove away with a brand new 2017 Buick Regal off the car lot. And when people, the old, when people see that, they don't see the good in me. They just see the old Reggie, and they like, how's he? You know, how's he? How's he living like this? I gave my life to Christ in 2006, and uh, it changed my life for the better. And that's what I would tell people. You know, I got baptized. Jeremy baptized me one day. I think it was on a uh, it was on a Tuesday. Yeah, and listen, you didn't help me a bit. <laughs> And this is kind of funny because, you know, I'm a big guy, and Jeremy, he kind of, he about 5'2". More than that, Reggie. Give me more credit. I said, Reggie, I'm going to put you under, and you just pull on my arms, and I'm going to get you up. He didn't pull on my arms. Jeremy struggled. It's death, burial, and resurrection. I almost left you there, Reg. So I was under that water a few seconds too long. (laughs) (laughs) But it was the beginning. It was the it was the beginning of something special. And like I say, uh, man, I love my congregation. I wanted to move back home to L.A. so bad, but I don't want to leave my church. I love each and every one of y'all. And I just appreciate y'all. Uh, I'm going to back up a little bit because I got to say something about Brother Dealworth. I was struggling, and I was, I was in my active addiction, uh, I'm on kidney dialysis. Like I said, I was lost. And uh, he talked to me one day, and he said, uh, he said, Reggie, uh, he said, man, we your family, man. We love you, and we praying for you. He said, I just don't want you to give up, and I promise you things will get better. And I'm going to take that to my grave with me. I worked hard to get to where I'm at today. You know, like I said, it's such a blessing to be here amongst family, friends, everybody. I wish uh, Hoppy and Mary was here because they play a big role in my life. They kind of like adopted me, you know, and uh, they've been a big blessing to me from day one. You know, he co-signed for my new car. He didn't have to do that because I'm going to tell you, I won't even co-sign for one of my brothers and sisters. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna just tell the truth because I don't trust him. <laughs> but Hoppy seen my life turn around, him and Miss Mary. And when I asked him, well, I asked both of them because you know they they won, and I I called a meeting with both of them and I asked him, I said, how do y'all feel about co-signing for me a vehicle? And uh, we met. Uh, I think it was in the office here somewhere. I met him out here at the church, and uh, Hoppy said, uh, "Step out and give us give us a ten or fifteen minutes to talk about it." I promise you, he came back out in two minutes and said, "We'll do it." He said it was a no-brainer, but he wanted to make sure the wife was okay with it. So I know how it is for the married men. You know, you got to make sure the missus is straight with it first. <laughs> but. That was such a blessing for me because I've never owned nothing in my life. And from where I come from, at the City Rescue Mission Homeless Shelter, uh, all of that is just, I'm proud of myself, too. Yeah, you know, because I've came so far, it is, it's, it's unreal. And I know I'm not easy to deal with sometimes, but 
I can't stress this enough, man. I love my church family. I love y'all. I do. Keeps me wanting to come back. You know, you hear people talk about the church, the congregation, and why do you come to? I don't know if I come for Jeremy's sermons or (laughs) if I come to see my church family. I don't know which one it is. It can be both, Reg. It could be both. It could be both. But I know I can't wait till Sunday mornings get here on Wednesdays. Like I said, I dedicated my life to this. I dedicated my life to Wednesday night. If I'm not sick in the hospital, now if it's snowing or something, that might be something different, but <laughs> I'm going to be here on Wednesday night, and I'm going to make sure dinner's ready at 545. I can't please everybody, but if I can just please the majority, I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm going to tell two stories on you. One I probably shouldn't tell, but it's just too good not to. Uh, first, though, you got a car. I'm going to rat you out. You got a car before you had your driver's license back, right? Yes. Yeah. Reggie's sitting in my office one day telling me about his car he just got. It wasn't a new one he got. It's a different one. I said, Reggie, do you even have a driver's license? No, man, it's suspended. Don't you think maybe you need to address that, Reggie? And so we made a few phone calls. Uh, I think he talked to a few others and found out what he's got to do, and he paid the fine, he took the test, he got his license. Um, that's something else to be proud of. Yeah, something well, else to be proud of. Uh, my license had been suspended since 1997. Like I said, I didn't care. I drove anyway. I didn't... I don't care about tickets. I mean, you know, when you live in that lifestyle, it's a part of it. You know, you don't want to do right. You know, I'm proud of myself. I do have two cars. I love that until it's time to pay insurance. <laughs> you know, I had to pay insurance for two vehicles. And that's and to have a new car, that's that costs quite a bit, you know. But I had to I had to take a DUI class. I I, I never had a DUI. It's because I went to prison for a crack pipe. So a DUI just don't mean alcohol. You know, it can be driving under the influence. I wasn't even driving when I got when I when I caught the uh when I got caught with the crack pipe. But I had to take a DUI class ten hours. Uh I had to make sure all my tickets was paid. Like I said, thanks to Miss Faye, all of my tickets, everything was paid. My balance started out about fifty five hundred and I got it down to zero. So, therefore, I went and took my driving tests, and I got them. I got my license after 17 years. So, that's another blessing that I got when you do right, when you love and honor the Most High. You know, good things do happen, you know. But when I became a Christian, I always thought everything would just be peaches and creams. But it's not. It seemed like everything you've been hiding from the past, all the troubles, all of that come forward. And I'm glad it did because I dealt with the issue and I got it out the way. I'm debt free. I have driver's license. I have two cars. I have my own place. I have a a credit card. I have a checking account with money in the bank. (laughs) That right there itself is amazing for me. You know, because like I said, I never knew how to love. We didn't get taught love in the house. We we got beat, abused. I didn't know how to love until I came here. Because 
My family showed me, my family here at Wilshire showed me so much love. And it, it, they showed me how to love. I didn't know how to love. I didn't know the first thing about love. That's probably why I'm single today, you know. But now I done got to the point to where I love people. I can tell people I love them. I didn't know how to do that. You know, so that's another blessing that came from Wilshire and the people here that opened their arms up to me and just welcomed me in and just, they did, they, they showed me love. And, and now I know how to love now. You know, and, and, and that's probably one of the biggest blessings out of everything because I know about being a Christian is about love, you know, loving others and about other people. So I didn't have it in my life first, you know. I've been here 13 years. Uh, I just celebrated 10 years drug-free uh, back in March. That was a God deal. If, any, if I can do it, anybody can do it. If, if I can do it, anybody can do it. It's a hard, a lot of y'all don't know about it. Spending your checkup. Scared to go home. I did all of that. So, by being here at Wilshire is one of the most humbling experiences I ever had. And if I ever get married, I'm going to get married here. And when I die, my funeral is going to be here. And Jeremy. <laughs> oh, I've got think, things to say. <laughs> Jeremy going to do my funeral when I, when I have it. Uh, if I beat him. <laughs> uh, okay, you said several things that I think are fascinating. The text, what Jim's series, our series for this, this uh, Sunday nights, is from Hebrews 10. It was just read, provoke one another to love. That when the church does what God called the church to do, then we redefine love and we live that out differently and people see that. And one way, as you talked, if you do the math, you said you've been at Wilshire how long? 13 years. And you've been drug-free how long? 10. For three years, Reggie walked in the doors of this church. Sometimes he sat in these pews high. Yes, came to church high. And sometimes he used the church phone. Yes, I did. I used to call the dope man from 843-9124 and tell him to meet me at my house because I needed some drugs. But no matter what I did, I don't care how much dope I did or whatever, on Sundays and Wednesdays I was here. And I knew that I had to start somewhere. You know, you just don't walk in the church and then you get sober. It was a process. It took me three years after I became a Christian to get my life right. It was a battle, but it worked. And I try to tell everybody, I even try to tell my brother, this is the place to be. I don't care what you got going on in your life. I got high every day, but I made sure that I was here. God knew where my heart was at. I went through rehab after rehab after drug rehab. Nothing worked for me. So that day Jeremy baptized me, 
three years later, I didn't even have to go to rehab. One Saturday morning, I woke up and I told myself, I can't do this no more. I can't do this no more. I didn't even have to go to rehab. God took, he took the taste out of my mouth with cigarettes, drugs, all of that. He took the taste out of my mouth without even me going to rehab. So when I gave my life to Christ, that was my rehab. And, he, and when he took that taste out of my mouth, I knew, I knew within my heart that I was done with drugs. And I haven't touched the drug since. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and play like I'm a saint because I'm not. Now, Jim Baird, when he preached, he always get up there and he want people to show hands. You know, he raise your hand for this or raise your hand for that. But I'm going to do it today. If it's any saints and perfect people in this church, can I see a raise of hand? Can, can they raise their hand? I don't see no hands in here, so that means none of us is saints, right? I'm not a saint. I done came a long way in my life. I have a long way to go. But today, I love where I'm at. I'm drug-free. I'm happy in my life. Uh, I got a church family that I love. I got a church family that love me. And this is where I'm going to be at. So, y'all elders... Man, y'all got to do a lot to get me up out the kitchen and these doors. I ain't going nowhere. And I promise you, I give my word to that. Y'all, y'all stuck with me. Y'all stuck with me. And I, and like I said, man, I love it, man. Well, Reggie, I've got uh, this may be surprising news to you. Uh, you are a saint. The word saint used two ways. There's one, the cultural version of saint which is kind of as you're thinking it some perfect better than everybody else and then there's the way the new testament uses it of people who have been washed justified sanctified which is the process of being created in the image of jesus christ none of us are perfect but if you've been baptized into christ you've been washed you've been justified you've been sanctified and in that sense, you are a saint with the rest of us. That's the good news. All right, I accept that. <laughs> See, Reg, I'm the brains of the operation. You're the looks. That's right. I don't think them, I don't think they heard you back there in the back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one more story. I shouldn't tell this, but it's my favorite story. And then we'll we'll offer the invitation. Okay. <clears throat> so while Reggie was in in prison, he comes down. He was diabetic. And he comes down with kidney disease and he began this process of dialysis quite often reggie would get up four o'clock in the morning have someone drive him and he part of getting a transplant means you have to be off of drugs you have to be clean and because of reggie's um, support reggie's effort past efforts um, of rehab i think all kind of coalesced also with Uh, the power of God. And I remember one evening I was finishing up at the office and I get a phone call and I answer the phone and it was Reggie. And I could hardly understand him. He said, they found a kidney for me. Reggie said, I'm going to Baptist Hospital. Um, They got to do the prep work and they've got to um, 
that tomorrow will be the will be the day. I said, Reggie, let me finish up my run home and I'll come out to the hospital and I'll see you. So I go out to see Reggie. And Reggie's sitting there by himself. Nurse comes in. Nurse comes in and says, Reggie, uh, take these pills and in a little while we'll be back and we'll take care of the enema. And uh, Reggie says, okay. So uh, I sat and Reggie and I talked for quite a while. He takes some pills and then as I was leaving, uh, the nurse says, okay, are you ready for your enema? And the, the Reggie says, well, I thought that was a pill I just took. And I said, Reggie, do you know what that is? And Reggie says, I don't think so. I said, call me later. <laughs> so the next morning, Reggie's surgery starts at like 4 a.m. I mean, ungodly hour of the day, and I couldn't be here for something, but I... This is true. This is not preacher made up story. This is true. So I'm driving from whatever appointment I had, knowing Reggie had been in surgery, and I'm wondering, I wonder if he's out of surgery. I wonder how it went. And at that exact moment, my cell phone rang, and I looked, and it was Reggie Mayberry. And I pick up the phone, and the first words out of his mouth, you know what that lady did to me? <laughs> That was uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and then he told me that everything had gone very well. Um, <laughs> Reggie, uh, every church, I think, when we are the church that we're supposed to be, has stories to tell. And I promise you that there are other Reggie Mayberries who were here even this morning. I could tell you the name are one or two. And churches don't make that impact because they have the right preacher or youth minister or even just the eldership. Think of the number of people Reggie mentioned. You guys are part of Reggie's story too. That we all collectively provoke each other to love and good works. When the church does what God called the church to be, it transforms all of us. And I wanted you guys to hear Reggie's story because when I get the opportunity to go speak at other churches and I get the chance to brag about Wilshire, Reggie's story is a story I love to tell because I think it's a sign that God is at work at Wilshire. And uh, not perfect, none of us are perfect. We're all still trying, but this... Wilshire's a special place that God is at work. Well, so this evening we invite all of you who have never been to Christ to make that decision and change your life, or if you are in Christ, I hope Reggie's story and what we're doing tonight has reminded you that this is where God is at work, and we want you to be part of this church and to serve God alongside of the rest of us. So if we can help you do that, please let us know while we stand and sing together. <clears throat> 